0: I want to introduce today our guest on the latest episode of Agent Provocateur, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, played youth hockey and high school hockey in Cleveland, moved on to the OHL where he played for the Windsor Spitfires and the Erie Otters, drafted ninth overall by the New York Islanders, did not sign with the Islanders and re-entered the draft was redrafted by the New Jersey Devils, 76 overall, a 14-year pro career playing for teams New Jersey, Arizona, Columbus, Pittsburgh, New York Rangers, and Minnesota. Uh, I would be remiss in not mentioning a former Danbury Trasher. And currently, one of the most insightful and entertaining analysts on the NHL network. Also, and uh, maybe most importantly, a longtime client of mine.
1: Let's give a big welcome to Mike Rupp. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what, Alan? While you're doing that introduction, I started thinking of Mike between the Danbury Trashers, um, which. Uh, y- I'm well connected, let's say. And uh, as far as as far as my relationship with you, Alan, uh, we're family, too. I don't think anybody should cross my paths. I'm pretty well protected. I'm pretty well protected out there with you and uh, the Danbury trashers. Oh, there's
0: no question about it. There's no question about it. Well, you've always terrified me. So, you know, there's that
2: too. <laughs> I'm glad that it goes both ways, guys. Um, <laughs> Mike, I got to ask you, because uh, uh, I mean, first off, I um, uh, I, I do want to ask you about how you and Alan met, but I'm going a little off script here. You said, you know, between the Danbury Trashers and Alan Walsh, you're pretty well protected. Uh, I mentioned it on the last show. I've seen Alan lay down the law. Yeah. Um, and I just want to know if you've seen Alan lay down the law ever in your life, because Alan on this show, warm, engaging, incredible storyteller. No. Uh, have you ever seen Alan lay down the law? And can you talk about it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, when does it happen every day, every day, the guy does for his clients, you know, I mean, uh, we, we, uh, sometimes get to, uh, we, all of us get the treat of it on social media sometimes, but behind closed doors, the guy's got your back. And, uh, you know, I just think that, um, you know, I I think the one thing that just to kind of very generalized to, to summarize it is like, you're, you're in a situation, you've got your blinders on as a player and you're playing. And sometimes you sit there, and this is—it's a, a cruel world. Uh, we know that in outside of the sports industry, and it's—it's it's tough. And you sometimes feel like you're just left out there, and you're—you're you're kind of flailing in the wind. Not when Allen's your your agent, you know what I mean? So I think that that's something that always gave me when you, when you see him laying down the law. I mean, he he tells you things that maybe you don't even want to hear at that moment, but you need to hear. So, uh, but then also kind of gives you a landscape and, and a projection. I think as players, you sit there and you're so worried about the today and the, 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 the tomorrow. I mean, I'm not really even thinking further than, than tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you you need someone to be like, Hey man, you're good. This is what this, the plan in place here. This is how I see it playing out. And from that experiences that he's had, he's generally right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's something it gives you, we always talk about athletes, um, just being focused at the task at hand, right? And you sit there and you from NHL teams. NHL teams, we get these catered meals on planes, uh we all these meals paid for, taking care of the nutrition's check, uh all the the help you need with strength and conditioning check. The whole reason for all of that is all we want you to do is go play hockey, right? So you need someone in life to look out for you with that as well, whether it's a financial advisor mm-hmm. or uh you need help uh, with the kind of the legal side of the business, what your rights are as a player. I mean, you got to have that. If I can, if the goal is for me to go play hockey, I have to have all that taken care of. And it's kind of one-stop shopping with that one.
2: That's so, so how did you guys meet anyway? How, how did this friendship form? Cause I know you guys go way back and Alan has said just glowing things about you that I won't repeat because we can't have anybody blowing anybody's ego up here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I was, uh, when I first broke in the league, I was roommates with Patrick Elias and uh, Patty's a dear friend to today. And um, you know, it was at a, a point in my career where um, it just many times you get to that crossroads. I mean, what's next? You can you almost see an end to it and you're trying to scratch claw and grab your way to extend it right and i was in a a spot in my career where patty would be on the road and i'd be you know i mean it sounds kind of silly but it's like you know you watch tv the lights go out and you just you have conversations with your roommates you do man. You just sit there and you're like dude what am i gonna do like this that he's like hey won't you call alan he's my agent i've been with him um he'll have the answer for you. I don't have the answer for you. He'll have the answers for you. He'll be able to help you out. So I remember distinctively calling Allen and I I remember this. I I remember this because I was in New Jersey and I was at a Sam's club. And uh, (laughs) so I was walking around Sam's club and I I had uh, um, two kids at the time and uh, walking around Sam's club and just literally these kids are in the cart. They're looking at, you know, I'm going through, they're looking at toys or maybe asking if they can have this and that. We walked around in circles for about an hour and a half because I was in this this deep conversation with Alan, where the kids, I don't even know, they are running around, they're probably opening up you know candy on one aisle and eating it. I don't know what's going on, but i'm 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 dialed in here, and I remember we were in there and it just I, I finally feel like I was getting answers to all the questions I had and it gave me the security to be able to just go play hockey. And I remember um it started off when and the best thing about it with him was, is that you know i as i was a i was a role playing guy in my career you know fourth line guy at that time i was making league minimum mm-hmm. and i'm sitting there and and i almost f- felt at the time i knew he had patty i knew we had marty havlat we had a long list of high profile players making a lot of money and i was like this guy's it almost felt to me when i was reaching out to him like it's it's charity right cuz he's buddies with patty and Alan hit me square in the eyes. Like I treat all my clients the same, you know what I mean? I know from that conversation and the conversations the coming days after that, I mean, uh, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I would call him, maybe I get done with a game and I'd be, uh, I think him being in California kind of helped some of the time wise, uh, but I'd be calling him at three in the morning, Eastern time. It's still midnight. He's picking up his phone. You know what I mean? And I'm venting to him and he's giving me some guidance in it and sharing stories of maybe some other players that he's represented that have gone through some of the same things. So I think that it was, it was a, an eye opener for me where I was like, man, this guy's got, he's, he's got me covered. He does not care. It's not about who I am or my, my profile. It's about, it's about, you know, being an advocate for the players. And that's, that's, that's him through and through. We see it every day. So um, you know, I think that was a, a, a huge piece for me is just kind of seeing his, um, tireless work and, and just, I I knew I had, I knew I had him as a soundboard, man. I had him as a soundboard in life. You know what I mean? Like there's some mm-hmm. things that maybe you just need to bounce off with someone outside of, you, you know, your, your, your mom and your dad or whatever the circumstances is And and people that don't, they're not in the business. Uh, maybe may, they don't know how these things affect you on the day to day, but, uh, you know alan's uh certainly been an ear for me and uh you know that that's the thing that i i think was the the, the most noticeable i was like this guy's got me and, and that's the other part about it adam i i didn't have an agent at that time i was i i was i represented myself with oh no Did i represented really? myself with lou lamarillo oh mike let my... me share, <laughs> let, let me share with you how that went real quick <laughs> <laughs> i bet it went real quick because it was real quick it was real quick <laughs> So I, so I was in New Jersey and I knew, uh, I was trying to get my career back on track. I had a, um, uh, I had a, a heart condition when I was playing with the wild and I had to have an oblation done and I, I, you know, I wasn't having a bang out season or career up to that point anyways. Um, I had to take a step back and and kind of reevaluate and, and get, just get a chance, right? So I knew that if I went back to New Jersey, because I was already there once, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more, but I was coming back to New Jersey. Lou was going to give me an opportunity. So, uh, he, you know, it's he basically was, he did give me an opportunity, and I don't want that to fall through the cracks here. I'm very uh, indebted to Lou. Uh, he gave me an opportunity to play in this league, and it was a dream of mine since I was a little boy. So uh, I, I owe him a lot and uh but he's also a businessman and uh we're sitting in there i remember saying to him i said lou i uh i don't care what you pay me alan cover your ears you don't want to hear this (laughs) i said i said lou you don't i don't care what you pay me all i want is more of an opportunity because i could do more in this league just give me i want to get on the penalty kill i want I want to get some more ice time. I know I can produce. I can be more. I, I will worry about making money later on down the road. I just want more of a chance. He's like, well, we believe in you. And I, I he did, I believe. That's why he was having me back. But I go, um, so, you know, we, we, we kind of were like on the same page. Yeah, no, you'll get more of an opportunity. And uh, so then he's like, well, here's what I got for you. And he gives me, you know, it was like 450. I think was league minimum at the time. And I'm like, really? Like, and I'm like, Lou, I mean, honestly, like, that's it. I mean, we, we won a cup already at this point like that, that. And he's like, I, you know, I just have, we have some decisions and we got to fit things in. And I'm like, okay. So I hung up the phone and I remember I was pissed. I, I, I was like knocking things off my desk. I was so mad. I felt like I was getting taken advantage of the phone rings back and he didn't have to do this. So I'll give him credit. The phone rings back three minutes later and Lou calls back and he goes, Michael, I didn't like the way, you know, he gave me an extra 50 grand and, 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 and maybe it doesn't sound like much, but for me, that was a lot. That's and huge. That's and huge. He, didn't, he didn't have to do it. So although he's a businessman, he he showed that he, you know, had something there for me, but I, I felt like I was up the creek without a paddle and in, in doing that. I was like, I'm never doing that ever again. You know? <laughs> I'm never, Man. I'm never doing that again. And, but the point of, it all this is, so this was, um, you know, uh, when I'm talking to Alan, I didn't have an agent at that time. I didn't have an agent. I mean, Alan was my agent but we never signed anything. Alan worked for me. Like he was working for me for a year and a half, two years, maybe even now. I don't even remember what the exact time. It, for was, much. it was two years, two years. I, I didn't pay him a dime. He never asked for a thing, never acted like he was busy. Uh, when, when I know he is. So I, th- then I was like, this guy's got me. So that was, that was the start of our relationship.
0: Alan, what I, re- do you remember I remember, And God, I remember that call, Mike, that first phone call. That was like 90 minutes. I had flown into Minnesota with my son. Uh, he was probably around, you know, eight, nine years old at the time. Springsteen
1: concert or what? We
0: were <laughs> on the way to a Springsteen concert and we were standing in the convention center on the, just on the outskirts of XL Energy where Bruce and the band were playing. And there was a uh, counter. I picked my kid up and put him on the counter. And I was like, listen, I, I have a very important call that I need to keep talking. And, he, and he's like, yeah, dad, no problem. And he just sat there watching the crowd amusing himself, you know, didn't act in any way impatient or, and you and I talked for 90 minutes until I finally said, Hey, Mike, um, Bruce is coming out in about five, 10 minutes. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: wow. I love it. <laughs> wow. Well, like, I, I mean, and that's, that's Alan. That's what you asked the exact question I was going to ask, right? Like what, what do you remember about Mike Reb- What was your, I mean, did did Patrick Elias give you the heads up that he was calling? What was your first impression? And when you're, you know, as an agent, um, I would imagine that there are certain agents that treat players like, well, based on your salary, that's how much time I'm going to give you. Um, what's yeah. been your philosophy on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, in the, in the- I'm I'm, I, I'm never going to disrespect another agent, and and no, you know, I think there's lots of really good agents out there, and maybe there's some that aren't so good. I think that from my perspective. I, I look at the clients that I work with as part of my family, and there's a sacred trust that a player is putting into you when you start working with them. And I don't care what line they're on. I don't care if they're in the American League or the NHL. Um, when I speak to somebody and I feel a connection with them, and and Mike, our first conversation standing there in Minnesota, I felt a connection with you. And I'm like, my, my just initial thought, five minutes into the conversation was I want to do everything I possibly can to help this guy. And that's what it was about. Wow. Wow. So, so, you
2: know, Mike, one of the things that Alan has um, has said about you is you've got this and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to read a text that Alan sent me. Okay. Uh Oh, (laughs) (laughs) incredibly analytical, comfortable, insightful, and amazing storyteller. Um, long-time client, and he said you've got some amazing stories. But I thought, what a compliment! And I, I wanted to know where this all started for you because you're a guy. And Alan mentioned it off the top. You did get drafted in the first round, but let's go. Let's go back further than that. Um, you know, when did you start playing? Uh, I know you played at Cleveland High School here, but but when did you start playing? Uh, what did the grow up? you know, happened for you? Because obviously, I guess Cleveland had an NHL team. They did have an AHL team for a long, long time as well. What was your introduction into hockey? And then how did you end up in the NHL?
1: Yeah, so I, I grew up in, in uh, just south of Cleveland. And, um, you know, I started playing hockey when I was six. And the, the way it started was uh, hockey wasn't very big in, in Cleveland. It, actually, all through my elementary school and middle school i was the only kid in the entire school that played hockey so there wasn't any it wasn't like there's this was a, a popular thing I, the, the neighbor two doors down played and mm. i liked all sports he was outside shooting a uh, tennis ball uh tennis balls against the garage um so i went over and his name was eddie i went over to, to you know, it was two years younger than eddie i looked up to him i went over and we started playing hockey in the driveway and he, he duped me in like everybody does in street <laughs> hockey i was playing goal. Right. Like that's how it all, <laughs> that's what you do for the young kids. Right. Yeah. That's how you introduce, Hey, Hey bud, you're going to love this game. Just go in the net there and <laughs> here we go. So, uh, so I, so I started playing with him and then, um, he played, um, and, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, just starting get, got signed up and, uh, I picked it up. Uh, you know, I kind of played, I played baseball, basketball, hockey were my three main sports and I played those other ones just as much as like I played hockey all the way up till high school, really. And, uh, so I ended up, uh, just, just staying there and, and it was kind of the good thing about it, especially nowadays when I've gotten involved with youth hockey, um, in my post career and seeing some of the things and it, it's still, there's a lot of great stories, but there's a lot of terrifying stories too, mm-hmm. right? Like we know about all this stuff and it's cutthroat, man. It's, it's cutthroat through and through. I didn't have, I played in one house league program all the way up to high school. I played in one high school all the way up to the OHL. So I played like literally on two teams. So wow. it wasn't like, oh, uh, the coach isn't playing me much. Uh, we're going to go and play in a team in Pittsburgh next year. We're going to go, you know, move to this place. Or, you know, it wasn't chasing that. And and and, and you know what? Honestly, in some situations, nothing wrong with that. But we also see a lot of it happening where it's, you know, people trying to solve the the, the equation the, the wrong way. And uh, so I think that you was had to really- earn it. Yeah, and it was, it was, it was good for me because I just got to play. I didn't, you know, was there politics involved? Yeah, there is everywhere. But I I just got to play and I was comfortable where I was at. So um, yeah, man, I just started playing and uh, you know, uh Got to, uh, I think the big time where I really started noticing that I maybe had an actual chance here. Well, let me back up. I, I didn't even get to watch much hockey growing up because it wasn't really on TV too much. But I was a big Gretzky fan. Uh, I was a big Edmonton Oilers fan just because if anything came across my path, whether it's in the newspaper or on the news or something, it, it was Wayne and it was Edmonton. And, uh, you know, I, I, even at the time, uh, Eddie, a couple of doors down, was a Lemieux fan. And oh. for me, I was like, I'm picking the other side. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was that. So, uh, you know, and that was all kind of, um, part of my interest. And then, yeah, you're right. The Adam, the, the Cleveland had the lumberjacks. That was, uh, the, the IHL at the time when I was there, they played at the old Richfield Coliseum and, uh, I would go to those games often. And I remember at some, at one point I was probably 14. I was skating with those guys before their camp started. And uh, um, I was like, I remember telling my mom, we'd be driving in the car and I'd be like, mom, I know how I always said I want to play the NHL. And she's like, yeah, I'm like, I, I actually would rather just play for the lumberjacks. <laughs> he's like, he's like, what? I'm like, I would just like think how cool that would be. I could just stay at home. I could live here in Cleveland. I could play for the Lumberjacks. I would play for the Lumberjacks forever if I could. And it was just like, obviously that was
0: before we met.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So once again, so once again, it's very key component to me being where I'm at now as I met Al because I didn't have very high, highly uh, aspirations as far as I'm not represent. I'm going to represent myself and I'll play for any team that's at home basically is what i said so uh so yeah i, I you know it ended up just uh, but my high school coach at the time was um his name was bob whidden and he played uh he played for the crusaders he played a couple different spots He was a goaltender in the wha and he had some uh he was he was like the guy in ohio right for hockey and he was my high school coach that's why i went to that high school i went to a um you know a, a catholic high school um just because he was the coach and so I was playing there and I would say after my um into my sophomore year of high school that's when you did the the U.S. program I was part of the Mid-Am district and they would have uh, a festival up in in St. Cloud Minnesota and I would play on the Mid-Am team and we'd go up there and I did really well there. And I was against all the 1980 birth years. And so I remember went up there for the festival. I led that tournament in scoring. It was really the first eye-opener for me because I never really even played outside of Ohio. And uh, so now I got to play. And some of those guys that were there at that time, Ryan Miller was there, David Legwand. So they named like an all-festival team. Ryan Miller was the goaltender. They, they basically named a player for each position. And I was the uh, left wing. David Legwand was center. Ryan Miller was the goaltender and uh that's when i was like okay well like now i'm seeing some of these other guys i'm seeing some Mm -hmm. of these other players and i and i i can play with them so then it started just when i would come back home to play i just was able to crank it to another level because now i'm like actually getting validation that i i could do something here and uh same thing happened my my sophomore uh, sorry my uh yeah it was my sophomore junior year i was on like the uh what was it the u I know it was U15 team. We went over to Finland for Team USA. And cool. You know, I, I still look at that picture now. A lot of guys that played in the NHL around that team. And it was it was an experience. And and that was it, but it always brought me back to like I was still playing high school hockey. You know what I mean? And Bob Whitten, my coach, was big because we were in, in a small fishbowl of, of of high school hockey in Ohio. We were winning state championships every year. And I loved it. It was amazing. I got to play in front of 3,500 fans in the in the playoffs. Like, that was big time, you know, for, pretty cool. for a young kid, right? So, um, but he was sitting there, and he's like, you, you can't play. I won't let you come back next year. You've got to go. You've got to move on. You, do you want to play? And I'm like, yeah, I want to play in the NHL. Well, you can't come back here. And I owe him a lot for that because he could have been a selfish coach and want me to come back, and he didn't. He pushed me. And uh, I think his, his move – that he had uh was was pretty spectacular at the time he's like i have someone that's going to come in and watch you and we're going to try to see where where you're at I'm like okay and i was playing uh, We had like a high school hockey showcase game at this time now the old richfield coliseum i mentioned it's down where the Cavs play now um at the time it was gundarina and uh we were playing before uh, actually before a lumberjacks game we were playing a high school festival he has bobby orr come in to see me play and so Bobby Orr at that time was Wolf Associates, and I, you know, it becomes the Orr group later, but Bobby was kind of coming in and watching me. And wow. it was like on the news, it was in the newspaper. Bobby Orr's in Cleveland checking out a high school hockey player. And that's like really the big thing for me where I'm like, wow, I mean, I think I could actually do something here. So he, he gave me the confidence to kind of. You know, push me out of there, push me out of the nest, and see if I could fly. So, man, it was it was cool. It was a, a really cool experience. But Ohio was great for me. I loved my time there, and I had some great coaches. Um, and it's uh, but I needed someone to tell me it was time to go.
0: So, what was the transition like, uh, going from uh, high school hockey in Cleveland to the OHL and playing for Windsor?
1: That was a big adjustment. So I had a verbal commitment. Uh, you know, at that time, like I said, I was, I was one of the top 80 birth year players. So, you know, we had, I had pretty much can go to I had every university that I can kind of imagine was, was calling and, and I had a verbal commitment in Michigan state. So I met with Ron Mason and uh, I was, I was going to be there. And uh, I don't know what it was. At at the same time, my dad took me up there. We saw a game. I went to Plymouth. I saw Plymouth Whalers game in the OHL. Um, And it was funny because at that time, I think the Plymouth Whalers game I went to had uh, Joe Thornton was on Sue Greyhounds. And they were playing against him. And there was like pointed out to me from those guys, hey, that guy's going to be the first overall pick in the NHL draft. So I'm like watching him. I would. I don't even know if I was watching the game. I was just watching him all over the ice, and so when I saw that game, then I was just kind of. I don't know. I just kind of felt like I was talking to my dad about it, and I felt like I was at that time. I was six five. Uh, as you know, I was uh, a junior in high school. I was six five, probably two fifteen. So wow. I was. I was big, and I played big offensively as far as like holding guys off. Um, driving the net, I, I I was a power forward, but I didn't know the, the physical side of the game. And when I watched the OHL and at that time, my college has come such a long way to kind of catch up. But, um, at that time, I, there was more players. I think at that time, the the high end players coming out uh, from major junior. And so when I see these guys play and what they had to deal with, there's fighting, there's big hits right? There's hits that I'm going to have to give. I didn't know how to play that game. So I remember I I ended up, um, I had to write a letter to the uh, OHL commissioner and uh, it was after the opt-in date. So I had to, I had to ask for a request to be able to opt into the OHL draft and that was granted. And um, yeah, I ended up getting drafted by uh, the Windsor Spitfires. And so I went to camp there and it was just, that was a different world. Because now I'm in I'm in Canada and um, you know I got buddies at home asking me if if I'm gonna be living in an igloo if uh, <laughs> if there's any polar bears I'm like dude this is right across the river from Detroit I think yeah, it's I'm right good. there so, yeah yeah so uh, so I end up going uh, to Windsor and it's it, I gotta learn I gotta learn here and I don't know what I'm doing and uh, I, but they the Windsor Spitfires are very clear they wanted me to be like a physical presence and that's part of my game i needed to learn this is my draft year too so i remember um never been in a fight in my life and it was a preseason game i remember we were playing in sarnia and uh i was skating at, there was a line change during a, a whistle so we're skating out for the face off it's at the far end and i'm skating uh, out to the faceoff circle. circle there's a guy on the other team a big guy on the other team that's kind of skating a little few feet to my side and he goes hey kid you want to go i have no idea what i'm doing so i go Okay. And I dropped my gloves and I started skating towards him. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait till the face up. What are you doing? I'm like, (laughs) I felt so stupid. I felt so stupid. I was like, I was like, you know, I didn't know that I didn't know like the proper the the protocol here. Like, I don't know. You asked me to fight. You, you you fool there's there's fight etiquette <laughs> yeah i didn't know the etiquette i'm sorry okay we didn't do that in high school hockey you know right so i'm coming in and, and so i'm skating uh you know and doesn't it doesn't help that i'm in i'm in training camp i don't even have my gear yet so i'm wearing my my saint edward high school colors gold helmets with oh. it's like green bay packers i got green pants with yellow stripes so I'm, I am I look like the rainbow. I have winter spitfire jersey. I'm like standing out like a sore thumb. This guy probably thought this is a, a big guy, easy target, whatever. He was an overager. So he's 20. I was uh, 17. And uh, so that's a I, boy and a man, by the way. That's yeah. a boy and a man. So I knew sure. nothing. All I knew is I got to get this over with at some point. This guy asked me, OK, fine. I didn't want to. I'm like, OK. And so then when he's like, no, what are you doing? He's like, wait till the face off. And I'm like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and I'm like, I kind of turn around, I go to pick my gloves up. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I look like such a I look so out of place right now. And something just went off in me. And I was just like, I, I picked up one glove and I turned around. And I go, no, you want to go? We're gonna go now. And I fought him like skating out to the faceoff dot. And I didn't know kind of the 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 what that meant. Until I went in the locker room, it was at the end. Of the, it was at the end of the period, so I got sent to the room. The team comes in, and all of a sudden, this kid from high school was kind of like an outsider because I didn't really fit in. These guys all played at, you know, um, they they played all over the Toronto area and they played against each other triple A hockey for years. I stood out like a sore thumb and then all of a sudden they come in, they're like rupper, high five. Me they're like that guy's a tough guy in this league for years. The no way to go. I go. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. So it was it, it, like, I was able to fit in. So, um, you know, that was, that was a big thing for me is that I had to learn. I had to learn what I would, how I need to be to play in the NHL. And it was, it was baptism by fire. Just throw me in there. And, uh, it wasn't always, it wasn't very easy. I'll tell you that. Right now you
0: got drafted ninth overall uh, by the Islanders and they did not sign you to a contract. And you went back into the draft two years later where you got drafted by New Jersey. And then you end up in the American league with Albany. Talk about that experience.
1: Uh, yeah. So that, that was uh, obviously draft day was huge. Um, doesn't, didn't seem real. Uh, I remember, um, you know it was in buffalo in 98 and I knew I was I was projected to go probably late first round and um, so I, it was cool because of logistically it my friends from high school came up to the draft my family was all there and it was just it was neat it was cool it was like if nothing even comes about this this is this is enough you know what I mean and uh, so I ended up sitting there and then all of a sudden, the cameras start kind of lining up in front of me and the Islanders are picking ninth and I'm like looking behind me, like who's sitting behind me. <laughs> and it's <and laughs> just like, it's just like, there's no player behind me. I'm like, and then, uh, you know, my agent at the times like, the Islanders are going to pick you. And I was what? I mean, this is way earlier. So I'm not even like prepared for this. Cause I thought I was, I thought I had a couple, like another hour, you know? And, uh, so they end up picking me and, um, you know, I, it was, it was awesome. It was an honor to, to get drafted, especially where I did. And so I end up, uh, those two years where you have the sign, I think it was, uh, I had to sign by June 1st of, of 2000 and right. that, that deadline, uh, came and it was, it was tough. It was like, um, you know, I kind of knew I was going to be 11th hour signing and that time came was the day before hours before the deadline, Mike Milbury and the Islanders make an offer. And the offer was quite a bit lower because you got to remember, like with all that stuff I said about Cleveland and, you know, I was a late bloomer mm-hmm. and I, I, I was drafted on potential because I was big and I could skate well. And so, you know, I had one year in the OHL, which I, I had glimpses of stuff. But man, when I got drafted like that draft year, I had 27 points, you know, as a forward where other guys getting drafted like Vinny LeCavier, 150 mm-hmm. points. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so there was a projection for me and I knew that, but at the same time, so I, I get this, this offer. I remember at the time, <sighs> I wasn't very happy about it at the time or looking back at it, but they, they, what, what came to me was uh, what was brought to my attention was this is what was offered. But if you sign this, you'll be the lowest signing top 10 pick in NHL history. Right. And, and, and wow. so I'm, so I'm like, oh, so this is a bad thing. You know, cause I didn't know I wanted to play. I wanted a chance. Just give me a chance to play. That's all I've ever wanted. So I'm like, I don't really want that label. Right. <laughs> so I remember we kind of, uh, sent, uh, my agent, my dad and I were talking and sent my agent back and he said to Mike Milbury, listen, if that's all you're willing to do here for Mike, then just be prepared to let him go back in the draft. Mike Milbury hung up on him and, uh, then they called back and it's literally like 10 o'clock. Um, yeah. In the evening or at nighttime, and, and you the deadline signed is by midnight. Midnight, the deadline's midnight. So I'm like, uh, oh, what the hell's going on now? So I'm like, Dad, what what happened? Oh, I don't know, maybe this is this is how negotiation goes. Dad, dad, you don't know anything about negotiations. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> I'm like, Dad, oh yeah, from all the people you represented. And and uh, so uh it ended up uh he we ended up calling back and Mike wouldn't take our calls. So literally I watched the clock change. And I'm like, what, what now? I wake up the next morning. I remember it was such a weird feeling. So I'm like, did I just blow everything? You know what I mean? I like, going oh, yeah. back. I knew I was going back in the draft, which was like three weeks later, but I knew I wasn't going to get drafted in the first round again. You know, I knew I was going to go later. I was two years older than all the guys getting drafted in that draft in, in 2000. So, um, I got up getting drafted by the devils in the third round. And the, uh, everybody that I talked to was like, this is the right spot for you. Because they're gonna take their time with you. You're a late bloomer, you're gonna learn all these things. Um, so yeah, I, I got drafted by them. I went to I spent first two full seasons in Albany. And then I kind of got to a, a point here where it was just kind of like, I don't know, there's things that I needed to learn too as a young player. Um, but I also uh was getting frustrated with not, I didn't feel like I was getting an opportunity. And um, so uh I remember Bobby Holik that summer signed his big ticket with the rangers so i get a call that lou wants to fly me in and talk with me in the summer i'm like okay what's this about so he flies me into new jersey i I meet with him and he says with with the departure of bobby um there's gonna be a big void here at center ice position uh we need a big strong center you're gonna have every opportunity to make this team in camp Uh, i want you to get that mindset now in the summer so you're ready to go this is your job to lose so I come back home just fired up. I mean, I'm working out. I'm doing like two a days. I'm doing everything. I'm like, here we go. This is this is my chance. I come to training camp and um go through camp. I feel all right. I get sent down in group one and I didn't even get a preseason game. Yep. Ooh. Like, how did I, how am I supposed to show I can make the team? I didn't even get a game. Like I got like one inner squad game. That was it. And so I'm like, what's going on? So I went down there and I was, I was moping. I was, I was pissed. And I remember. Um, how close did you come to, to giving up hockey at that point that year? Really close, really close. I remember really? the, yeah, I remember uh, the, I remember the, the coach in Albany said to me, just know that sometimes things are done to see how you respond. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything to me right now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no kidding. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the insight, but that means nothing to me right now. But no, it, but it, it was true. I, Lou wanted to see how I, how I would react. I wasn't reacting well at the beginning. I was down there. I mean, I was trying. I wasn't like not trying. But I got to the point where I'm like, listen, I've dreamt since first grade that I, wanted, I was going to play in the NHL. I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, I'm not going to get that chance. And so I remember I reached out to the pro hockey players association, the PHPA, and they had some material that they could send you on uh, the, a firefighting academy out in Western Canada. And it's kind of like the quick process of, I was going to, I wanted to become a firefighter. So I had this stuff. I was all signed up, ready to go in the summertime. And I remember sitting there thinking to my, I was just going to play out this year. Cause I felt like I, I owed the organization that at least I signed a contract. I'm gonna play out the season. And I don't know. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't sleeping well. I was just not happy with myself of just making the decision for this. And so I remember I was just like, hey, I'm going to, um, I, I got like, I got a window here and I'm going to push. I've got, uh, I've got the rest of the season here. This was like in November. Uh, this is my last, last gasp. And I remember, I remember just saying, I'm going to shoot every puck. I'm going to, everything I can. I'm going to, this is it. And uh, last kick. And so I end up, I remember, I got like AHL player of the week and then things started. I started playing better and I got a call on uh it was actually the night before my birthday is January 12th. And uh, the call was, uh, you know, it was January 12th, 2003. And uh, you're getting called up tomorrow to the, to the big club. And it was on my birthday. So my first NHL game. So I was, it was, it was cool. I, and at that point, you know, I, I don't know, you guys talk to many players. Um, I think a lot of us have the same attitude. It it can stop after this game and I'll be fine. You know what I mean? like, we, we obviously know we want more, but th- we just want to make it. I yeah. want to say I'm on the ice with these guys. You know what I mean? And so I got my first NHL game. And uh, when you get in that game, it's like, I, I got to buy that next game. And uh, I ended up being able to get two goals in my first game. So I was like, all right, well, I bought myself one more game. And so that next game came and it's like, what now? You know what I mean? That's why I, I, Al and I talked about over the years, like, man, to have at that time, there's no player development role. You know, we didn't have guys, we didn't have former players that are great or former guys that have uh, found ways to carve out a long career for themselves, giving you pointers. I mean, you're in this, you got to figure this out, you know? And uh, so it was, um, it was, it was a, it was a process, but I made it. And I was, I, it could have ended there and I would have been happy.
0: Okay, well, it didn't end there because uh, you ended that season in 2003 scoring the Stanley Cup-winning goal in Game 7. Tell us a little about that.
1: Yeah, so so I got called up, like I said, and that was January 13th, and so I played the remaining, say, there was 26, 28 games, I think, the rest of that season. And I played in, I think, all but two of them. And, um, at the trade deadline, uh, the devils went out and got some veteran players and I kind of got bumped down the totem pole. So when the playoff roster came around, I was left off it. And I thought, you know, at that time I thought I, I did enough to get on it. Um, you know, later on, I, when you get older, I, I understood that process. You want guys who've been through it. I was still pretty green. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I got left off it and I'll tell you what, that was really challenging for, to be a black ACE. For two plus months. I mean, it was probably pushing. We didn't make the playoffs in the American League. So um I, I was pushing two plus months. I didn't play in a game. Um, now we're sitting here practicing with uh sometimes no goalie, uh, just five of us skaters, just getting bag skated every day. And you're seeing this team win around, win around, win around. And to be frank, at that time, all of us would sit there and we weren't wishing the team would lose but like if they got knocked out in the first round, we get to go, we get to go to our summer, right? Like they're going, they're going. It's just it, every time they win a around, it's two more weeks of hell for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is what yeah. we're thinking. Yeah. I so, mean, I can't
0: remember the, the last time a player started the playoffs as a black ace. It ended up actually in the lineup. I can't remember going yeah. back years that ever happening.
1: Yeah. And I think that's all part of it too. So Stanley cup final starts against Anaheim. Um, they need players geographically because of that. They needed players to travel with the team. So it was me and this Christian Bergman, who was a really good Swedish player um, at the time too. They're like, we want you guys to travel with the team. So to me, that was like, that was it. Like, oh, okay. Now I get to see this up close, what these guys have been doing. But when you start looking at the numbers game, they still, they had three or four guys already on the NHL roster as forwards that I would have to bunny hop those three or four guys I would have to be better than Christian, who I was called up with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I was not playing in my mind. Right. So we're literally, I'm just absorbing. I'm trying not to get in the way. I'm practicing with these guys as like a fifth line. Um, it's, I'm just trying to stay out of the way. And, uh, so we win the first two games at home, uh, Anaheim wins game three. And I remember, um, we got, we were losing a lot of face-offs. I mean, they had Steve Ruchin and, and Adam Oates, uh, I mean, they were they were winning faceoffs. They had set plays off draws. They were scoring goals off faceoffs, and uh, so I, I knew that that was a big concern of ours. Is that we need to start winning some draws. So it's uh, before game four in Anaheim. We're going to the rink. I'm going in with the team bus. I get there like say the game's at seven. I'm getting there at five. Um, I walk in. I I literally had this conversation conversation with Christian because we were walking in together, and we're like, hey, after the workout, like let's go we're going to go get nachos again up top. Like those were great last game. Like, that's like, our, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Like we're like, we have, we have no incl- inclination of anything. I've had, n- I, I had no idea that I was in a, on the radar to play. I still thought I had to bunny hop five players. So um, I'm changing into my, uh, my, you know, workout gear and waiting for the team to go out for the game to start. And I'm going to start my workout. Um, so, but I'm changing like at five o'clock and just kind of sitting in the back room. And all of a sudden, the trainer comes in. He goes, uh, "Pat Burns is our coach," and he goes, "Pat, uh, Pat wants to see you in the hallway." So I go out in the hallway. I remember Burnsie. Burnsie was the king of mind games, man. Like this guy's mind games that he would play. Like he would—I don't want to say mind games because it—he wanted to get everything he could out of you, and he was very methodical in how he did it. And at times, you thought this guy's kind of a jerk. <laughs> You're yeah, like the way he did it. You're like you know you 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 didn't like it. But later on down the road, you understood it, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you this, and I, you know, I'll get into Pat Burns a little bit, but um, I didn't like Pat as a coach, and I didn't think he liked me at the time. I was young, you know, and but later on, know, unfortunately, when Pat got sick, I in my second tenure with the Devils, I started speaking with him, and he was awesome, and I wish I would have had a different mindset when I had him as a young player. Cause I think I, I let some time go by that. I could have just been, I mean, he's one of the greats, you know? And, yeah. and uh, so, uh, you know, I, that's, that's one thing, but he came up to me and he goes, he gets, he gets, I'm going to do it in my camera. He gets really close to me, gets up in my face and he goes, <laughs> did you go out last night? I'm like, no, no, I didn't go out last night. He goes, you didn't go out last night. I'm like, no, no, Pat, I didn't go out last night. I was in bed at like 1130. And he goes, if I find out you went out last night, I'm like Pat, I'm I'm in all due respect, I'm a call-up. Like, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going out in Anaheim, you know. And I and, and I didn't. I can say it now. I didn't. I was in bed at 1130 And he gets in my face. I don't know if he's like trying to smell me to see if I was drinking or something last night. I don't know what he's trying to do. He gets in, he goes, If I find out that you were drinking, you'll never play in this league again. And I go, I I wasn't. And he goes, Go get dressed, you're playing. I'm like, what? And so like he sends me in the room and it was Whoa. a genius, it was a genius move because the last thing on my mind was the depths of what the what how heavy this moment was. I'm getting airdropped into the game four of the Stanley Cup Finals. I haven't played a game in two plus months. I'm all I'm trying to prove is that I'm not hungover from the night before <laughs> that I didn't go out and play. or so I can go out and play. So I'm literally I'm in the game, and I'm like, I got I'm gonna be sharp here. I gotta pay attention. What's going on? All right, who do I got? All right, yeah, before the face-off, and I'm I'm like making sure I'm dotting my eyes, crossing my T's because I don't want Pat to ruin me. And it was it was genius. And we played we played well, but we still lost the game. And then next thing you know, we come back home for game five, and he puts me on the line with with Langenbrunner and Friesen, who hey, are Friesen. Friesen, wow. and Langerbrunner, and yeah. yeah, and and Jeff Friesen, uh, I think he finished that playoffs with maybe 12, 13 goals. Jamie Langerbrunner, both those guys, I think, were top five in the playoffs in scoring. So I get to play with those guys. Game five, uh, we get an assist. Our team, we that was the one lopsided game of this series. We beat them pretty well, and then we go back to uh, we go back to Anaheim for game six. And now I'm now I'm with these guys. That's our line, and and that happened because Joe Newandike was out. You know, mm-hmm. that's why that opportunity presented itself. Knew he was hurt. And um, so I got a chance to play with these guys. And man, for whatever reason, the stars aligned with us. And we were grinding out, you know, just everything we did. And it was just, it didn't seem real. You Every became the top we, line. Those those yeah. last oh, two yeah. games,
0: you guys were the top line.
1: Yeah. So we, yeah. Would, we would be in the offensive zone. If there was any kind of those metrics back then, I would love, I would love to see what they were. I don't know in two games, in game six and seven, I don't know if we played on our own end. You know wow. and, uh, so we we uh in game seven um our line just kept kept it going and uh we obviously won the game three nothing and our line had all three goals and um I will be honest we could have had I've I've gone back and watched it uh just like two years ago for the first time I watched the game and we could have had five or six goals. We had a couple posts like it was ridiculous. It was just one of those things and um, it all seemed like a blur. I didn't. I didn't realize the the magnitude at the time, and that was that was a good thing. I give Pat a lot of credit for that.
0: You scored on a deflection from in front of the net. You had uh, set up shop there, and the shot came from the point, and uh, you deflected it uh, through uh, JS Shiger's legs. It was a five hole right through his legs, and uh, and, and Marty Berdor got the shutout, and you guys won the cup on home ice.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh it, it was, it was crazy because it was, it was all that. That's the beautiful thing with it too, and that's why I love the playoffs is because it gives an opportunity for guys like me to uh to be able to be a difference maker. You know what I mean? It was nothing pretty. Our line wasn't. Let me get this set this straight. Our line wasn't tic tac toe. I mean, they, the, our best line was was Aliash, Gomez, and Marshall. That was our best line. But our line was the most effective for probably those last two games because we go in the corner, we're grinding we were you know cycling the puck going to the net so i got the puck out to the point man and all i was thinking is jake get to the net you know i got scott Niedermeyer back there he's the best at giving you typical pucks to, to get a piece of and i would just fight my way to the net and i just try to get a piece of it and it, it it barely when you see the replay from behind you gear like his legs close up and as his legs are closing the pucks passing through oh. he, i mean you're talking like it's perfect perfect fit the puck just going through the, the five hole there. So, um, yeah, You remember and the it, feeling
2: when that puck went in,
1: the place was loud. It was the old, uh, continental airlines arena at the Meadowlands. And I just remember the the place was going nuts. I remember Lang and jumping, uh, I'm up in my arms. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember just, I, I remember there's a, a picture on online or that's one of the pictures I got from it and we're all hugging. It was on the papers and stuff the next day where I'm just looking up. And I remember, I remember that moment, just looking up my mouth open, like yelling. And it was just, I remember that moment just thinking like, is this really happening right now? And, uh, but it, you know, we, even when we're up three, nothing though, I remember there was a couple minutes left in the game. You remember the dev- devil's teams, like trap it up. Like if you, a three, nothing lead would be like seven, nothing for another team. You know, like, mm-hmm. like there's no way you're coming back. We got Marty, you know, and, uh, first of all. Marty should have won the con smite that year. Like I'm going gonna... <laughs> to, no, J.S. Jaguar was unbelievable. I don't ever want to take anything away. He, that was well-deserved, but Marty had three shutouts in the Stanley cup finals, three shutouts in the Stanley cup finals. So, uh, he gave us an opportunity all the time, but anyways, it, when you're have that kind of lead, you, that should be a tap in for the devil. Sure. And I remember sitting there thinking in the closing minutes. The last three or four minutes of the game, I'm clock watching, clock watching. It was a long, it was an eternity. There's like 40 seconds left. In the places, everyone's on their feet. They're starting to get going, and I'm like, no, don't do that. Is there's still time? You know what I mean? Like, like, there's still time. There's three goal lead with 40 seconds left. But uh, man, what an experience! And uh, yeah, it was, it was something I don't think I could fully enjoy till I was, I was uh, done playing. But thinking back, man, it gives me goosebumps. Well, bringing you
0: down to earth, why don't you tell us about your training camp the year after (laughs) in 2004 when you won the cup and a little bit of your interaction with Pat Burns?
1: Yeah. So, Burnsy was, um, like I said, uh, Scott Gomez says it today. I saw Gomer at uh, Marty Berdur's golf outing um, a couple months ago. And we're everybody sitting around telling stories. And Scotty said, the best thing, what do you say? the best thing about us playing together, Ripper, was um, that year was when you were there, you were Pat's whipping boy, and I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, the first half of the year, I guess, he was all over Gomer. And, uh, you know, I'm. there was times where I was in game three of my NHL career. Didn't turn the puck over. Didn't do anything. We're we getting shelled against Carolina. We come in the locker room, and Pat's ticked, I can tell. So I'm thinking to myself, well... He's not coming at me, you know, like he's mad. I'm just going to like put my head down and just listen right at me. Rapper, I'll send you on the first bus back. To-. I'm like, well, I played like four minutes in that period or like <laughs> just two minutes in that period. Like what? I had no influence on in what was going on at all. And I remember knew he was uh, knew he was sat next to me when I stall mate. And he goes, Hey man, he's only saying that he, cause he can't keep saying it to us. So he's saying it to you now. I'm like, okay. Like, and, uh, those guys are the veterans are really good for that. But anyways, so Burnsy had this thing. I don't know if he thought that summer after the cup, if I was being cocky or if I thought that I was now going to be this, you know, high end player in the league, I I really wasn't thinking that way. I worked really hard that summer. I, this just gave me my foot in the door. I still felt like I had to make a team. You know, I, at that point I've only played 30 NHL games. Like I still, no matter what happened, I had the mindset, like, I still need to like earn a spot here. Um, so coming to training camp, me Langenberg and Friesen are on a line again together. And preseason games are starting. I remember at that time, right? We played somewhere between eight, eight and ten preseason games. There's something which is absurd. a lot. That's a, a lot. Ton. And usually, what happens when you get the first game? Usually, you think you know the second game. You don't go because you you have different. You have different teams, right? You're going to send one team here to that game, one team here to that game. I played every single game. I played, if there's eight games, I played eight. If there are nine, I played nine. Oh. And uh, so I'm like, I don't know what he's trying to, to do here. And I remember at one point he pulls me aside. We're playing against the Bruins and uh, before the game starts. He was the king of pulling me aside and scaring the hell out of me before the game starts. <laughs> <laughs> so he brings me out uh, by the glass, by the rink, and he goes, how do you think you're playing in camp so far? And at that time I was oh. leading I was leading the team in, in points um in train and in preseason which I know it's preseason but but it was also do because I was playing every damn game that had something to do with it because other guys were played half the games I did but nonetheless we were getting points our line was was productive I go I no I like I, I think we picked up where we left picked up where we left off last year and you know we're getting some points and whatever and he goes he just stops me and he goes I hate how you're playing it just dis- it makes me want to puke. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I I don't I don't care if you ever score a goal again. I don't care if you ever score a goal again. And I'm so confused. I'm like, what do you what do you mean? And he goes, We've got Patty, we got Gomer, we got these guys to score. I don't need you to score. If that other team doesn't want to rip your head off every single game, I got no use for you. And he goes, You've done none of that. I don't care if you have 20 points right now. You've done none of that. You're useless for me. So change it or you're not going to be here. And I was like, oh, my God, what's wrong with this guy? You know, (laughs) like, and uh, so, you know, that was part of the process. And and at that time, I'm like, literally, like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Like, I'm getting, I I had like two points last game. And that was just young, immature me. I needed to, I wish I would have handled it differently. Because when later on, when Pat wasn't my coach and he was scouting for the Devils, he would talk to me about that. I was getting it. I was getting that stuff. I was 20 at that time, I was like 26, you know, 25, 26, 27. I'm a little more mature. I understand these things. And if it wasn't for messages like that, I'm telling you what, my, I would have been done. I would have been done in, you know, probably six years short. I, it bought me six more years in the league because I understood I got to be different. I got to be different. You know, What's I didn't have thing? a player development guy to tell me that.
2: Yeah. What's your thing, right? What do you bring that's different? Yeah. What,
1: what do I do that's different? Yeah. I'm 6'5". I'm 230. That's different. But are you going to use it? You know what I mean? like, Because there's little guys that use it. And they're really effective in that. Yeah. And are so you going to use it? And how
0: are you going to use it?
1: Yeah. So I started realizing to myself, like, all right, this is where it gets a little interesting now. That's when I started, like, I. it wasn't all about fighting but I had to have a presence on the ice. I had to be mean. You know what I mean? That wasn't me. That wasn't, that's not my personality, but but I had to learn it. Do you want to stay? Or, you know, is that, that cup and, uh, those 30 games enough? It wasn't, I wanted more. If anything, it got spoiled. It really set me up for uh, set me up for disappointment when you win the cup in year one. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> then all the other years you're like, "Wow, dude, this sucks." You know, and uh, so I, you know, it, it was a message that I had to learn, and I give you know, Pat was big in that, and he talked me through it later on. And I wish I, I wish I had someone at that time when I was younger to talk me through it. I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was just being under attack.
0: So let's jump forward a couple of years now. Uh, and we've started working together. Uh, you're in New Jersey, and uh, you end up moving to Pittsburgh. And you had a couple of good years in Pittsburgh. And now you're approaching unrestricted free agency. Why don't you tell yeah. us about that experience?
1: It was, uh, that was awesome because, um, like I said, I I never let my guard down as a player. Like you always got to fight for that next day. I think it's really important. I think every guy does it. I think you would be surprised you would be surprised at the superstars in the league that you would, everybody would sit there and be like, this guy, this guy's got all the confidence in the world. He's got this, he's got that. When you see them, mm, they're fighting for it too, man. You know, they know it could be gone real quick. And I think that's the mental struggle of, of players sometimes is they need, they need someone to clarify some of those things for them, you know? And, so the, that, this free agency time for me, I was in Pittsburgh I had my best two offensive years. Um, I got, uh, when I was there, you know, I, I signed on with Allen. uh, you know, he got me to Pittsburgh Allen said, uh, I was talking to Ray Shiro said that they want you to, you're going to play half your shifts with the fourth line and you're going to play half your shifts with either one of our centers, uh, Crosby, Malkin, or, or stall. I'm like that's a great like I'll sign me up let's do it great you know yeah. <laughs> so uh with that being said when I got on the ice with those guys I was always a good shooter but I wasn't always a guy that was used in a way or can do it consistently enough to be used in a way to be in that situation all the time well here are these guys I was like I'm shooting uh, these guys are going to give me the puck and I was shooting I was scoring and I I was fighting and I was a physical presence so free agency comes around and Alan's like you know, we're seeing these guys, and it's part of that process is learning your comps. Who else is who else is coming up here? You know, who else are you? What area are you kind of falling in? And at that time, it was like Chris Neal in Ottawa was um, coming up, pending UFA. <clears throat> there, I don't remember some of the other ones. There's, there's, there's a few. Nealer signs with with the Sens. Uh, this other player signs with his team. They're all signing before July first. So, I remember Allen's like this is kind of becoming the perfect storm for you. You know, those comps that you had are not there any longer. So really at that time, going in that free agency, I was again, different than everybody else, because I was a, a third, fourth line guy. I was, that was the value for me is I'm going to give you nine, 10 minutes a night. I'm going to have 15 fights in the year and I'm going to have anywhere from 10 to 15 goals. Nobody else was doing that. They, they were. Sorry, they were, but they were already signed with their teams. There's other guys that were doing that, but they were already locked down. They, they weren't know, available. They weren't available. They weren't available, and they weren't yeah. available that summer. Yeah, they weren't available that summer. So when free agency opened up, man, it was such a cool feeling. And uh, just to feel like... where remember Alan came to me, and he said, there's a lot of interest. is early on, on July 1st, he says... There's like 12 teams I'm talking to right now. I got
0: 12 Uh, calls in the first hour on you. Wow. Twelve calls. Twelve different GMs calling, and they were interested. It was not tire kicking. They were interested. What a compliment.
1: Yeah. So it was it was just cool because you know, I'm not I was never that kind of player to get that kind of attention. So it was just it was it was humbling too, you know, to be able to You know what I
0: remember. You know what I remember about that? The New York Rangers sent you a gift the day before free agency started. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What Tell us about that. End. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, um, I got, uh, at that time, that's right when Twitter, Twitter, uh, well, Twitter's probably started a little bit before that, but I, I was on uh, Twitter around that time, maybe tw- 2009 was when I started using Twitter. I must've posted something and being from Ohio, I'm a big. If you guys, you guys have Buckeyes. You guys ever have Buckeyes, right? Like the the candy Buckeyes. You guys know what that yes. is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if that's. Uh, so yeah, you got the you know peanut butter covered in chocolate, and that's like my thing all the time. Like we make that every year for Christmas. It's like a family tradition. And uh, so I love Buckeyes. And there was a place uh, a, a chocolate uh, shop in Ohio that that made some good ones and my mom brought them to me and so i just took a picture put on twitter something so next thing you know i get this package from the rangers and it's uh it's it's a a thing of buckeyes from that actual chocolate shop so they're paying attention and then it was uh, like a dvd that you put in uh and it's you know you just they, they roll out the red carpet it's like you know, they'll take celebrities that go to their game, and they're saying your name, and they're doing like an introduction on MSG jumbotron, doing all these things. So it David was Letterman. Yeah, David Letterman. David yeah. Letterman
0: was on the DVD saying, "Mike Rupp, you got to come to New York."
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's wow. pretty, it's pretty cool the way they do it. But uh, so that and that, you know, during that day, and then Alan, this was the stressful part. And this is why you need someone to explain these things to you because I never, like, I was a free agent prior to that there's never like this you know and so he's like we gotta we gotta dwindle this down and clearly alan and i were talking prior to july 1st of you know all right geographically are there some places you'd rather be is there some things you know maybe you want to maybe you say to your agent um i don't care where i go just get me as much money as possible you know maybe that said maybe it's i got to go to a contender or i got to go to the west coast i want to be saying the east coast there's all these different things so we figured out all those those ideas so now we on this day needed to dwindle this list down and so we get it down and i remember um i had on the the free agency frenzy and it's on tv and i'm it i I wasn't highlighted good i didn't like it it was just it was stressful for me so i was like i just want to get outside so i went outside with the kids we're just going out there trying to kill time and so the phone rings and alan's like (laughs) this is like the closest i got to uh uh dude, I actually, Alan, I would love one of these free agency days. I won't say a word. I won't get in your way. Just <laughs> like, just like I didn't get in the way when I was traveling with the Devils in 3 Like, I'll stay behind. I just want to see what happens. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, honestly, Adam, it was like, I'm on the phone with Alan, and he's like, we got to dwindle down to Rangers, Avalanche, and Blackhawks were the three right. teams. I kind of got it down to those three. And He's like, uh, then I got, then I kind of got it down to two. It was Chicago and, and the Rangers. And he goes, I got, uh he goes, all right, this is going to get a little tough for you here. I've got Glenn say they're on one line, Stan Bowman on the other. <laughs> I've got, he goes, I got to answer them now. I'm like, wait, like they're on the line now. Like, yeah, I got them on hold. I'm like, what? And, and through all this process, I really wanted to go back to Pittsburgh, but that the, those negotiations weren't, weren't, you know, coming to fruition. So in that moment, I'm like, I'm like, can we can we reach out to Ray? Can we reach out to Ray Shiro in Pittsburgh again? All of a sudden I hear Alan. I'm just picturing this. Yeah, I don't know how it is in real life. I'm picturing like like a telethon where there's like call like people on phones and like sitting in different tiers. <laughs> I'm Alan's like, yeah. get Ray Shiro on the line, get Ray Shiro on the line. And so he's got these two guys, and it's like just this panic. And I'm like, Holy shit, what's happening right now? And I'm just sitting there and, and so uh he's ends up talking to Ray while I'm 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 I I don't know, Alan, if you had two phones. I was hearing it. You didn't like put me on hold. I was I can hear you talking. Right. He's yeah. talking to Ray and, and no, it wasn't – you know, I wanted a third year. They were only giving me two years, and I was knew I was getting three years from these teams. So, I'm like, I got to take that. And uh, so, then it's like, you know, we got to tell them. And I'm like, all right, let's go with the Rangers. And it was – it was – dude, it was I, – I don't know how – can you imagine little old me like uh, back when I was representing myself with Lou the first time going through that? <laughs> first, of all, first of all, it never would have happened. I never would have Then 12 teams wouldn't be able to locate my number probably, but uh, no, it was, it was a crazy experience. Wow. Yeah,
0: and, and then, and then I'll never forget the next day I get a, a, a photo sent to me from Mike and it was that chocolate that the uh, Rangers had sent to him, and he had carved my initials into one of the chocolates and took a picture of it and sent <laughs> it to me. <laughs> uh, that I I
2: suppose that's right on the line of tampering, by the way, but <laughs> I, I guess it's not,
0: technically? Uh, right. teams, teams send out stuff the day before. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody's going to get uh, technical about tampering. They're not making offers, but right. uh, typically the day before... Uh, players that are in big, big demand, get a nice package from a team with a, in the old days, it was DVDs. Uh, some teams used to send a DVD player where it just, you opened the box and it said, press play and the screen popped up and the video played that was, you know, usually tailor made for the specific player that was receiving it.
2: Wow. Wow. Mike, uh, that must have been, so you hated the experience. And Alan's told me before that, that it's a really, really stressful experience. Uh, But signing in New York must have been pretty darn cool.
1: It was, it was awesome. It was, it was really cool. Uh, It was, it was just different. You know, it was, it was hard for me though, because I won a cup in New Jersey. Now I'm going on, I'm, I'm, I'm on the dark side now, you know, and uh, (laughs) you're crossing
0: the river to the other side. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I loved it. I love playing for the Rangers. I love playing for all the teams I play for. It's an honor to put any jersey on. But uh, when I was in New York, I really you know what I really struggled with. I remember having this conversation with Torts, um, because he was the coach with the Rangers. I called. I called. Uh, do you want me to do? Do you want me to have a censored version of Torts' conversation, or can I speak freely?
0: You speak freely. All right, cool. Provocator
1: uh, is in the title. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So I, I called torts and uh, so I signed and, and I'm familiar with New Jersey because I've lived there right and I looked into living in the city and I thought it'd be really cool to live in the city I might not ever get this opportunity again and I had uh, three kids, like two dogs, two cats oh. like all that it was like a big family you know That's so lot, it's huh? like I can't really living in the city it I learned real quick yeah no you're gonna have to hire a dog walker, you have to drive, have a driver taking your kids to school. you like, you're going to be playing for free. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm not living in New York city. So <laughs> I end up, uh, I end up living in uh, Northern Jersey. And, uh, so, but I felt like, I don't know. I had this thing that I, I felt like I had approved to the new team that I'm not with those guys anymore. You know what I mean? And I had friends still, Patty Aliash was on the Devils Still Zach Preezy was on the devils. I, I knew a lot of their team and they're friends and uh so i called torts up and i go hey torts um yeah so i've been looking at the living i'm talking whatever and i could tell he just does it. like i'm totally wasting his time like with this <laughs> i know this. and i'm like so here's the thing though i'm like i just want to make sure you're cool because like most of the team lives in manhattan And I'm going to go in Jersey. I don't want you to think that I'm going hanging out with these guys, going to dinner with these guys. Like I'm a ranger now. Like I'm going to, I'm going to prove that to you and whatever. And I'm talking, he goes, Robert, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're calling me to find out if you can live in New Jersey. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, I don't give a fuck where you live. You come here and you play for me. Like we got you for that's all I fucking care about. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's all I guess that's all it needs to be said. And so he we was just like really to the point. But then from that day four that year against the devils, man, I was fighting every time. I just always felt like I had to show these guys on my team. Like I'm with you guys now. You know what I mean? I, I even called, I talked to Patty. I talked to Zach and I said, Hey guys, I'm just telling you like, just, keep your head up, man. Cause I got to hit you. I'm going to hit you hard. <laughs> like I told Zach, I, I, I remember calling Zach like three days before the first time we played crazy. And I say, I go, Zach, listen, man, everything I did there for you guys, that way I played, that's going to continue here in New York. I said, I'm just telling you, I'll never do anything cheap. You know me, I'm not a cheap player, but if your head's down, I'm going to try to bury you. And I'm like, so I'm just telling you now, I want to have this conversation before, because I don't want this to mess up our relationship. He's like, no, I understand. And, uh, so that was, I don't know. I was like, I had, I almost overcompensated. I fought them every single time we played. Cause I'm like, I'm a, I'm a Ranger now. And it was good for me because then the, the Rangers team was like, they like that. And the fans like that. So it was like, it was a quick way of kind of, uh, getting through that, that, uh, rough patch of, you know, we got this guy that was on the trader side before.
0: I remember, Rapper, I remember one time calling you after a game with the Rangers and uh, you answered the phone and it was probably an hour after the game and I hear in the background really loud, let's go Rangers, let's go. And I hear it and it's so loud. I go, Rapper, where are you? Because I'm just on the train riding home with the fans.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, that, was, that was such a cool experience. So that rivalry is so big and I would take the train in. And so after the game, you know, Penn Station's right below MSG, so I literally would get out of the locker room, take the elevator down, Penn Station, jet over. It uh, doesn't matter. that, But it's Secaucus Junction is the, the the drop-off, and that's the main hub. And so when you get on the train at that time after the game, like, I'm on there. It's full, standing room only. And it's you don't realize how many Ranger fans are in New Jersey. Like, it's split. Like, they're all going to New Jersey, but there's just as many Ranger fans, if not more, than Devils fans. And so I would get on, I'd get on and in the, in the winter, I'd have my, my toque on and I'd pull it down and I have my collar up and I'd sit there I just, my mom is business be on my phone. And I remember the, the fans would just be like half of them be like, let's go Rangers. And they'd be like, let's go Devils. Just <laughs> like the loudest thing back and forth on the train. I remember one time I was sitting there, I just put my hand up like this and like, I just, you know, started a brawl in the game. So I don't like, I don't know if everybody's going to love seeing me right now. So I'm sitting there on the, on the, and I on the train like this, I look up and there's this, this young kid, he looked like he was 20. He was like up at the front of the train, standing, standing up with his arm up, you know, hanging onto the, the bar and he sees me and he goes, goes like that. Like I see, you. and he goes, he goes, he goes, and I like, I just go, thank you. Thank you. you know, whatever. And, uh, but I, there, there's times, dude, I got off the bus. The, the train and I'm walking to my car and there's like fights at the train station. And like, there's Ranger guys. I, I the one time I had to break up a fight. There's a guy in a bird Jersey that was like getting cornered by like four Ranger fans. And I'm like, no, no. And I'm like, I'm going there. They, and I, they never said anything. They didn't know I was a player or anything. I just went and bro. I'm like, no, no, no. And I walked the guy like out towards the car, like the parking lot, like to make sure he got there. I'm like, dude, if you guys only knew, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, one of the players is breaking up the fight here, but, uh, there was, it was a, it was a fun experience to ride the train.
2: I'm sure being six, five helps breaking up the fight too.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, or you could be a target either way. Yeah,
2: you know. I guess, I guess. I, so before we wrap it up here, I know there was a story, Alan, that you wanted to talk about, um, specifically, uh, it, you said lunch in San Jose. Do you want to set this one up?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, it was, uh, it was probably a year after Mike retired, and, uh, and you were uh, broadcasting uh, uh, with NHL Network, and, and you were on the show uh, several nights a week uh, on NHL Tonight, and uh, we're having dinner. No, we're having lunch, and we were with my son, who was probably around 11 or 12 years old at the time and uh at one point during lunch you said to uh to my son Ethan let me tell you about your old man and you got really animated and you said your old man is like a bulldog he's like <laughs> he's like he's like a mad dog he's got this big chain on and he's <laughs> in the basement every once in a while you open the door you throw him some meat you hear you know down <laughs> there he goes and then <laughs> And then when 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 you really need him, you go down there and you you're holding onto the chain, and he's trying to he's trying to fight you off, and you 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 finally you let him go, and off he goes, you know, ready to attack. And and my son's sitting there listening to this. He's like years old. Yeah, exactly. And I remember after lunch, we're, he and I were walking away, and he's he's really quiet, and he goes, "Dad." And I looked down at him. I said, "Yeah." He goes. Are you really like that? (laughs) I said no, no, no. He's just—he's like because that's scary.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, no, it's so good. But you know what? I think that's the thing. It's like, you know, you sit there and and I'll speak to you, Adam. Because I don't want to embarrass Alan with this. But like, uh, every everybody has a job, right? Alan's job is to represent the players, right? And I mean, that's in his Twitter bio. It's been from day one. What is it, Alan? What is it? It says, you remember what it says in there? Your Twitter bio basically says like that.
0: Oh, my! it's sort of like my mission statement. Yes. Uh, yeah. Protect I'll, it. I'll it.
2: rights it. i To protect client rights, promote yeah. their interests, maximize their comp- uh, compensation. Exactly.
1: That's, he, he's much more than that, but just to kind of put in a nutshell the business side of it, that's what he does right there's no black black and or sorry there's no gray or it's black and white like that's what he does so i've always referred to i've had players i've had teammates that have reached out to me and they need help with something and i say well okay do you want to you want to speak to alan and i said here here's the thing like this guy this guy will <laughs> for lack of a better way of saying it, he will rip someone's face off for you. <laughs> That's what I say. To, I say it again. Some guys are like, Oh, I don't know if I want that. No, They're like, oh, no, but what do you, you know what I'm saying? Like you need someone to fight for you. And that is what he does through and through and through. And so, you know, I, there's been times where people come up to me, especially on the media side of this. And they'll be like, Oh, like, what about, what about Walsh? like, man, is he like, man, some of that stuff, he, you know, and, and it's almost like they, I don't know. It, Alan, you get it all the time where it's like they're almost like uh you know questioning maybe some of the things that that you do or yes yeah, because
0: i because i'm not playing the
1: game yes. they
0: wa- the way they want me to play it. yes
1: they you're not yeah. that's the whole, that's the key point you said you're not playing a game you're in your own game it's to fight for your player's Rights his players, maximize their compensation. And you know what I mean? Like that's your job. Like that's every agent's job and you do exactly. it to a T. So I, I just always thought to myself, man, and, and to go back to when we met, I saw him do it for me who didn't have an agent made league minimum was hanging on to my threat uh, career by a thread. He did it for me for hours and hours and hours, never got a dime at that time. Would like he'll do it for you. Are you kidding me? Look what you as a player, you know what I mean? Like he'll do it for you too. You know what I mean? So I think that that's the biggest thing for him. It's like, he is what he is. I love it. And uh, when I'm explaining that to Ethan, like that's a side of you that I see and I hear, and I need that because again, go back uh, to that confidence is one thing when we're players, we're confident when we're in our element, but we're outside of our element, man, there's a lot of times we're not very confident in life. You know, because there's, there's things in life that we missed out on in the development because we were playing hockey. Mm-hmm. We need mm-hmm. that. We have to have that. And I think so many times you see players that find themselves going down the wrong paths, find themselves in trouble because they don't have, they don't know how to navigate that. That's why like Alan and I, I haven't played strapped on the skates in, in seven or eight years. I talked to this guy just as much now, if not more than I did when I played, you know what I mean? Like he's in my, he's in my life forever. Because you, you need that, you know, and it's, it's, I owe a lot to, 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 to Alan. And, uh, so I'm glad we we're able to get out here and talk about
2: him. Wow. <laughs> wow. Quite the compliment, Alan. And dessert. Um, well, listen, uh, Mike, you have been generous with your time and your stories and you were all the things Alan built you to be, which is, uh, I, you know, every time, uh, um, I get a text message about our next guest, cause Alan, Alan's, Alan's driving the boat here. Um, every time I get a text message, well, he's this and he's this and he's this. I go, okay, what well, was, we'll and, and it's always better than what you could even expect. So Mike, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. We hope this isn't the last time you'll be on the show. Uh, because there's plenty uh, of reasons for you to want. come back. Right. I, I think we could just do an all Lou Lamorello show, uh, <laughs> with various people that have had to deal with Lou Lamorello because he is without question, the most fascinating person in the sport to me. Um,
1: if but- you guys get, if you, uh, if you get Patty on here at some point, I want to come on and share the story of when I got traded. When Patty was my roommate, uh, Patty had something to do with that as well. So we'll tease it with that. <laughs> would love <And> that. <laughs> it with Lou. With Lou. <laughs> I'll just I'll cue it with this. I'll cue it with this. We were skipping a breakfast that we were supposed to be at, and we Ooh. wanted to sleep in. The phone rings in the hotel room. Patty answers it, and he goes, oh, yeah, hold on a second. He goes, puts the phone in it like this. He goes, rupper it's Lou. And I go, and I was like, I looked at I, I had my, I rollover. I go, fuck off. And he goes, it's Lou. And I'm like, what? And like, Lou told us not to skip these breakfasts. And we skipped it. And I thought, since I'm hanging out with Patty Eliash, I could do whatever I want. Oh, <laughs> I got traded. I got traded. We breakfast with Patty. So we can get into it later. with that. That's awesome. Well,
2: listen, it's, it's been a pleasure, Mike. Thank you so much for, for coming on. And Alan, would you like to close, or are we good to good to wrap it up?
0: Yeah, I just like to say, Rapper, your uh, your very kind words uh, mean so much to me. It's been such a privilege uh, to have you in my life as a, as a player to represent you, uh, but even more importantly than that, as a as a lifelong friend yep. and someone who I, I truly love and care about. And uh, it, it is very humbling to sit here and hear you say these things about me. It's not often that uh, that I have to sit here and and hear that, but it it warms my heart. And uh I'm just gr- very grateful and uh I'm grateful for you to come on and to have you spend so much time here with us and and tell the stories that you have. Uh and it would be a, a great privilege to have you back on anytime.
1: Anytime, anytime, and uh, Adam, I'll leave it this since you're on with him often on here. prod him to get this book out at some point in his. Life. I know, <laughs> at some point in life, he's got to do a book. I mean, he's got so much stuff. That, Alan, that's your that's your retirement uh, project. Okay, one hundred percent.
0: One day, pal. One hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent.
1: Thank you, guys. I appreciate. it. Thank you very much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Rumper.